the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Before I, Tom Opperman, and my partner, Jacob Recht, get into the Denver Broncos in depth in the matchups that the Steelers are going to face and need to exploit to get off of this three-game losing streak that they're currently on, let's zoom all the way out, buddy, and let's just take a look at the Steelers and just how big of a game this is in the grand scheme of things for them. I don't want to say it's a must win because that's the most cliche thing you can do in football talk radio. And it's also just October week five, Mm -hmm. but man, does it feel like a must win? I mean, this is a team that I see coming into Heinz field that the Steelers can match up well against. They don't have to face off against an overwhelmingly good offense. Of course, the Denver Broncos defense is trending towards being elite this year, but so is the Steelers win fully healthy. You saw that on display week one when they took out the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills. Excuse me, I'm getting choked up about it because it seems like <laughs> it was so long ago. But when they took out the Buffalo Bills, that defense was playing at an elite level. When they're healthy, they can reach that point again. So these teams are super even. It's an extremely winnable game that I see on the schedule for this Sunday, and that's why I think it's such a big deal. Obviously, to get off of that losing streak, of course, But you need to get as much wins as possible, man, because this schedule, it's a bear, especially down the stretch. You were supposed to make the playoffs in September, October by stacking up wins. Let's look at the schedule as a whole, right? That's what I mean. So so you're you're calling this Denver game an extremely winnable game? It's a must win, too. I mean, you got it. I think it's a must win, and it's sad to say because it's only week five, but you call it a must win or a winnable game. The the winnable games have already – you've already had two – winnable games on your schedule so far with the Raiders and Bengals and you drop the ball with both of them so just because this game is winnable doesn't give me any more extra confidence that the Steelers are actually going to go out and win this game doesn't matter that it's at home doesn't matter that it's against the Denver Broncos well they're 0-2 at home so exactly (laughs) exactly it doesn't matter that it's against the Denver Broncos who have only beaten the Jaguars Giants and Jets the three worst teams in football right now or at least among them but I do think it's a must-win game because you're following two weeks you're at home against the Seahawks, who have an extra long week to prepare because they just played Thursday Night Football last night. I think that's getting ahead of ourselves, but that's a winnable game, too, I think, against the Seattle uh, Seahawks. I don't know. You don't know what Russell Wilson's status is going to be, Two but he does get 10 days. Two of three losses have come against NFC West opponents. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm sorry, only one. Yeah, so you're wrong. And I'm just saying, still, I, they, I, they, I think it's a winnable game. They've played tough competition so far. Uh, I'm not saying it's tougher than the Steelers, but I think their loss – is more impressive. Uh, Minnesota was the other, and I'm blinking on who the third one was for Seattle. But regardless, I have more respect. I, I have higher expectations for any of those NFC West teams than I do for the Steelers. And then you have the Browns on the road. I think you can c- chuck that up for a loss. Then you have the Lions and Bears back-to-back at home before you're – real meat of the schedule comes along and mm-hmm. that starts with I think with Tennessee is the first starts event. with at LA the Chargers Justin Herbert traveling off to the West Coast so I don't know I don't know what the order is but it's the Chargers the Titans Chargers, the Ravens twice Bengals, the Bengals Ravens the Browns. Vikings Titans Chiefs yeah. Browns Ravens that's the order yeah I didn't even mention the Chiefs in there but yeah well that's an automatic loss assuming Patrick Mahomes is healthy of course uh Listen, what I'm saying about this Denver game. I don't know. Chad Henney beat the Browns in the playoffs. I don't know if it necessarily means, of course, it's a win. What I the Chiefs are without Patrick Mahomes. What I th- 
look at this Denver Broncos game and I say very winnable for is because although they've had very winnable and probably should have won games in the Raiders game and the Bengals game at home, no matter who's going to start at quarterback for Denver, Bridgewater or Locke, obviously they're in a better shape if it's Bridgewater starting for them, still in that concussion protocol as we sit here right now, so that's still a little up in the air. It's the worst quarterback they're going to face all year long to this point, no matter who plays. Yeah, assuming there are no backups down the line. The Steelers have the to this the, point the fortune to this point. Yeah, right. It's the worst one that they're going to face this year, and I think that that is a reason a reason why I'm mm-hmm. sitting here feeling more confident than I probably was after the Packers game immediately at the beginning of the week. You know, you kind of work your way through this week and you start looking at the Denver Broncos a little more closely, and although they're three and one, they kind of strike me as more of a one and three, two and two kind of team, kind of in the they're closer to the Steelers in my mind than they are to the Chiefs, the Chargers, yeah, the top course. end it's of the AFC. Yeah, because of the teams who they've beaten. Yeah, exactly. And they haven't proved anything. And then exactly. you, you have your home game against the Ravens, your first prove a game, and you get blown out twenty-three to seven. Teddy Bridgewater does protect the football. He hasn't thrown an interception all year so far. That's exactly what this Denver offense it wants to do is protect the football, ball control offense. They hold onto the ball an average of thirty-four minutes a game. Uh, that's third in the league behind just Carolina and Cleveland. So they do a hell of a job in that category, and that's that's exactly how they want to win. So if you have Teddy Bridgewater in there, obviously Denver has a better chance, but it's not like he's going to drop 350 yards and three to four touchdowns on your head and you're going to lose the game 35-10. to 10. He might not throw an interception, but he's probably only good for two touchdowns max. You know, he's not a real lighted up kind of player. And that's why with the Steelers offense in the state of disarray that it's in, I'm feeling a little good about this game just because this is an offense I think the Steelers offense can keep up with. And you're going to say, well, the Denver defense is so great, but I'm going to come back and say, well, the Steelers defense should be getting somewhat healthier. At least T.J. Watt's groin should be getting healthier. Alex Highsmith so, so should be getting better. They should be able to stymie that Broncos offense, which is, isn't that great in its own right, just as much as the Steelers get stymied by Denver. We're going to have old-fashioned football this on Heinz This is going to be a defensive-driven oh, game yeah. for sure. This oh, is yeah. going to be a 13-10, if not 10-6 to I agree. Game. And that, it could be painful for us to watch. You could see punt after punt after punt after punt. But it's a must-win, Steelers Nation, so you got to embrace I, I, that I, pain. I think it's a must-win as well because, again, looking back to the schedule, you have two tough games. Uh, you're saying you don't you don't want to chuck up the Seattle game to a loss just yet. I would say they'll lose that game. I'm saying it's winnable, though. Like I think they could pull that off. It's going to be close. Yeah, we'll yeah see. my we'll gut see tells me if, Seattle wins. We'll see if the Mike Tomlin and Ben primetime – Magic is still a thing in year 17 or in year 18 for Ben's career. How much of that magic, though, was Ben in his prime? You know what I mean, though? Like, oh, it was It was. That's what as I mean, sure like, as anything. The wand that they were swinging Tomlin was Big Ben being an elite quarterback. And unfortunately, we all have eyes. We know that that's not the case as, no, as of not. this moment. But we'll see. I mean, my, my, my problem is Seattle's coming off a loss, and they're coming off a long week. That's that. the tricky part because – they need to bounce back in the worst way. And I mean, they right now are at the bottom of the best division. And if you're going to travel from coast to coast, probably best to do it 
in a night game atmosphere. You know what I mean? You have even you, get an, you have all day and off to of rest a long up. week, like you said. And so after the long week, you don't have week. to worry about that travel being too tenuous. You can leave a little early if you even wanted to mm-hmm. to get there early. And yeah, you 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 feel like you're playing at five in the afternoon anyway. So it's not exactly like a one it's o'clock game where it's nine in the morning, game. like Denver is going to. Denver is coming it's off. Coming, it's going to be 10 in the morning for those guys. Denver is coming behind. off a normal week, and it's going to be an early game for them. So, yeah, I mean, that 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 spells not disaster, but it, it just spells an even playing field for the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Pittsburgh. And then, again, I'm, as I mentioned, you have the Cleveland game on the road. Uh, I'm not ready to look that far down the line yet because I'm not necessarily looking forward to that game. That may be the rowdiest Cleveland crowd you've seen in 20-plus years. No question about that. Halloween night, too. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, is it? The okay. costumes are going to be insane. But then the, before the chunk, the meat of the schedule. Halloween day, but whatever. You whatever. What I mean. you, you, you get two winnable games. These are the winnable games in your schedule in right. Chicago and Detroit. But here's why the Denver game is so, so big. If you drop this game to Denver and you fall to 1-4 on the season— I think you're looking at one and six down the barrel. Yeah, I do too. And because there's no sign that you're, you're capable of beating, of beating Seattle. Seattle, even if it is a winnable game, especially if you lose to Denver, then it's like, well, you why would I even? Anything. Even though it's winnable on paper, so was the last week's game, and you didn't go out there and, so and execute were those first that. Two home games you had to start the right, season. and the execution wasn't there, so that would cause me more concern for Seattle if they lose this game to Denver. But as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking, I think they're probably going to win this game against Denver this Sunday. Uh, but if you lose and you go to 1-6, and six, dropping the next two, uh, Seattle going into the bye and then coming out of the bye and dropping that one to Cleveland, the Bears and Lions game become just a moot point. You know What does 3-6 and six really get you? Nothing. It's not going to get you back in the race. But if you can pull this one off against Denver, you get and to 2. And climb to 4-5 after that yes, Detroit game Yes, exactly. Then you have the ability to tell yourself, and of course you'd have to see where everybody else shakes out. You'll need some of those NFC West teams to, excuse me, AFC West teams to fall back to earth a little bit. But if you're 4-5, and five, I bet you're a game, game and a half back of the seventh wild and card. Isn't spot. the Chargers game an, another Sunday night home game as well? The Chargers game is a Sunday night game on the road okay. in LA. On well, that's the West not Coast. hard. That's really not that difficult. Steelers beat them last time they went out to the West Coast. That to was play the a Chargers. weird game. That was a that was the, one of the weirdest games I have seen in it was a the long debut time. of Duck. It was the debut of Duck. It was in a soccer stadium where the max capacity was like three thousand people, and the defense just destroyed Philip Rivers in the Chargers' For offense. The first like on. three quarters, yeah, and that's what won them. And the then game. there was almost a comeback effort, but I think Cam Sutton had a last second interception. Devin Bush, of course, having a big impact play he uh, had that big fumble recovery where do you remember vince williams like it was a fumble and vince williams just stared at the ball saying i think it's a dead ball and devin was the only one to have a heads up, up enough mentality to say let's scoop it up and, and take it in but if you're four and five and you're heading into that game against the chargers i mean the morale is just going to be in such a different place and hopefully the defense is healthier at that point too yeah that's far enough down the line where we we don't know when Stefan Tua come back could come back, but at that point, you're in November. It, it, you could have Stefan Tua back at that point. Four and five versus three and six is just such a world of a it's difference. a world of a difference. Um, yes, and again, even though at the beginning of the year, if we would have said they'd be four at five at that point, you'd think, oh, they're definitely still in the thick of the playoff race with the way that the AFC West teams have come out so on fire. It does worry you that four and five might not be a game back at that point. It might be more like two, two and a half games back. If right, if these teams don't fall back to you're, earth, you're 
interesting, right? It's not oh, that the, the fan base should still be invested for sure. I think so too because there's still my a, problem though. With the, the path Chargers, is still there. I don't know if the I, I think the Raiders are capable of falling back to earth. Denver definitely. Denver for sure. I think Denver kind of already did last week. It, it was yeah. proven that they're not. Yeah. They're not worthy of that three. And even even if they win this week, I think it's going to be proven again because they're only going to score like ten or thirteen. Because then at that point, your other your other win on that season is against a one and four team. Congratulations. I mean, at that point, if the Steelers lose, I, I think it's easy to say the Steelers are a bottom seven eight team. And then you Unfortunately, know the Jets, yeah. Giants, and, and Jaguars are bottom three each. So again, Denver has not proven anything to me to to beat the Steelers. However. I, as I said, I think the Raiders are going to fall back to earth. I don't think the Chargers are. No, I think, I think the, the Chargers char- are for real. I said it on uh, Countdown to Kickoff this past Wednesday. I think the Chargers are in a real, real good spot to take that division right now. Considering their game against the Chiefs that they just won was in Kansas City. Already at least earning a split there is huge. That's huge. Exactly. To split that series. At least. I mean, you could still sweep it. but You could, but at least to get the foot ahead at this point on the road, too. Now you're looking at the rest of your schedule, whatever it is for the Chargers. You know you have the Chiefs, but at least it's in L.A. So those two teams are probably going to be there. I think I agree with you about the Raiders. They did the thing that they always do where they make you think they're they're still good enough to it sneak was a, in. It was, a, it was a comeback effort of sorts. They were down yeah, 21 not, nothing. They got it to 21-14. Let's not write them off completely yet. No. But I think they're a team that falls around 9-8, and 10-7, and, yeah. and that probably flirts with the 7 wild card spot. And I think, again, if the Steelers can get to four and five before that stretch of at Chargers, at Cincinnati, I don't know if you can win that Chargers game. We'll see how the Chargers look at that point in the season. They might be juggernaut status by then, or they might come back down to earth slightly. We'll see. Slightly. I don't think – I think when you say come back to earth, that's a Raiders term. When I when I look at the Chargers, I, I say, okay, they're three and one now, and they just beat the Chiefs. They're going to fall somewhere around 11 and five. 10 and 7. I could see them winning 13 or 14 games, though, too. 13 and 4 for the Chargers? Herbert's amazing, man. Herbert's a really good quarterback, and that's a tough one for the Steelers, but then you get to go to Cincinnati, a little bit of revenge on the mind, a team that you can absolutely beat, even if Joe Burrow and that offense is still clicking once you get to that point of the season. I know, because now you're going to Cincinnati. But it all starts this Sunday against Denver, because if you drop this one, then all of this optimism that we're looking down the schedule with, all of this, well, you all could do this, you could do that, you'd be a game back with only you know, six, seven weeks left in the season so you could still play yourself into playoff contention. All of that goes out the window if the Denver Broncos come into Heinz Field and beat your butt up and down the field. Um, and let's look at them and what you really have to do in order to beat them. And I think it starts with this offense of Denver – we mentioned it at the top of this episode. They love ball control. They love to run the football. This is a throwback team that you're going to be facing. This is kind of a team that you wish the Steelers would be more like. And that's obviously not able to be the case with the current state of the Steelers' offensive line. Right. They'd, they'd like to be doing what the Chargers are doing. They the just, Broncos. Sorry, what the Broncos are doing. You got those inca- Chargers on your mind. They're just incapable of doing so because right. of the offensive line. Exactly. They want Najee Harris to be their version of, I know it's two guys in Denver, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They want Najee Harris to be averaging 4.6 yards per mm-hmm. carry, and they want to have the 11th best rush offense in the league averaging around 112 yards per game. I mean, 
that's not amazing, but it's solid, and it's gotten Denver to a three and one record, and or at least helped them get to that point. And it also helps keep Denver's defense fresh, which is what the identity of that team is. Um, and, and again, I, I said Bridgewater, if he plays, he does not turn that ball over. So it, it's really tough to win that time of possession battle with this yeah. Denver offense if you don't stop the run. So I think it all starts with they're going to run on first, second downs. They're going to try to get that offense moving based on the running game. If you can shut that down early, if you can stop them from winning on first down with the running game, and you have to pass the ball now if you're Denver, mm -hmm. A, whether it's Teddy or Drew, uh, they're not the best passers in the world. Teddy, better than Drew, of course, more conservative. Drew Locke can sling it, but he's so wildly inconsistent. He could throw a couple interceptions, or he could put a couple touchdowns I on your head. I think that's the difference, is between Teddy and Drew Locke, you're more likely to get turnovers, get turnovers which you haven't been able to do all year long. Right. So if it's Teddy Bridgewater, I'm thinking at most you're getting one. If it's Drew Locke, I'm thinking somewhere around two or three. Right, but either way, you want to force those quarterbacks into having to pass the ball. And on top of them just being average to below average quarterbacks in their own right, there's no real targets on the team for them to throw to. I mean, you got Cortland Sutton, you got Noah Fant. Tim Patrick, he's the third option right now. You know what I mean? Because they're missing Jerry Judy, they're missing um, KJ yeah. Hamler, and Deshaun Hamilton, I think, is a nice little piece that can kind of do some Ray Ray McLeod-ish type things, but a little bit better than that. He's got a little more pedigree than that. So, you know what I mean? They're they're missing some real weapons in the passing game. Make them pass the ball then. Make them uncomfortable. That's the huge key for that defense. And it starts with stopping the run. And i got to be honest, Jacob, Steelers' defensive line, it's really thin. And now you got Cam Hayward dealing with a nagging injury. I know it was a full participant in practice yesterday, mm -hmm. so that's a good sign. But we saw T.J. Watt obviously play through a groin injury against the Packers he looked a step slower I think that's obvious I think that was credit to him for playing through it because that's a warrior and that's what you get when you pay a man 80 million dollars mm -hmm. he plays through injury like that you're going to see the same thing from Cam this week I think I think you're going to see Cam play just don't know how effective is it going to be 100% Cam because of the injury that he's probably going to have to be playing through so that worries me that that defensive line is just spread out a little too thin injury wise that they might be able to get some traction on the running game, the Denver Broncos, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you partner that with the the depth that you had, and Carlos Davis continues more so than Cam Hayward to deal with his injury, and that kind of forces you to just say, we got to go Cam, and we got to go Chris Wormley, and we got to go Isaiah Bugs, and that's really all we're left with. Because I don't know if you're really comfortable throwing Isaiah Loudermilk out there, for a whole game or for a majority of the snaps this early on in the season. But if Carlos Davis is unavailable to you, that's basically what you're left with. And this defense is predicated on its ability to stop the run, and you just haven't seen that this last year and a half. Ever since the Steelers lost both Devin Bush and Bud Dupree, this run defense has been one of the easier defenses to run on. I mean... We said last week we gave them credit for stopping the big names like Aaron Jones and uh, Devontae Adams, but A.J. Dillon still had a huge day, still had a 25-yard run. I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I I think in every game this season so far, Tom, except for the Raiders game, the Steelers have allowed a 25-plus-yard run. Uh, I know they did it against Devin Singletary on, on that last offensive drive for the Bills. I know they allowed one to Joe Mixon, and we just mentioned the one by A.J. Dillon. Melvin Gordon and 
Javante Williams are both capable of breaking out against the Steelers' defense, this run defense. And if they're going to be able to do that, I think that's kind of all you need to beat the Steelers' offense or to beat the Steelers' team as a whole because we know the losing recipe, not the winning recipe, the losing recipe for the Steelers, and that's the offense can't stay on the field and the defense is gassed by maybe early in the third quarter. They can rest up a little bit in the, in the, in, in the halftime break, but once they come back out in the third quarter, if they're out there repeatedly drive after drive for, for long periods of time, they're going to get tired. That's how you wear down defenses is exactly. running the ball. It's exactly. physical. And, and if your offense can't stay on the field, that's putting them out there for even longer. And if Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon have successful days, I think that's all the Broncos need in order to beat the Steelers team. You did you hear what the uh, the Chargers head coach Brandon Staley had to say about running the football and why it's important to run the football in the NFL after the Monday night game? He said you don't have to run the ball to set up the pass. He's like a lot of people think that if you want to pass well in this league, you got to run the ball. And he said that's not really the case. You can pass without running. But he said what running the football does is it brings that physical aspect to the football game. You know when you run the football. You make the defenders have to fight off blocks, and you make the defenders have to tackle. And he said if you pass the ball, you necessarily don't have to do that. There's less blocks that you have to fight off Mm -hmm. in coverage, and you might not necessarily have to tackle the guy because, say, it's an incomplete pass. No one has to get hit. So running the football just brings that physical nature. It makes the other team have to hit. It makes the other team have to play physical. And that's kind of what you're saying there is that if Denver can run the ball successfully, it forces T.J. Watt to take on a lot more blocks. It forces Devin Bush and Joe Schobert to take on blocks. It forces those guys to make tackles against guys that aren't that easiest to bring down. I mean, did you see Javante Williams's run against the Baltimore Ravens? He took like four yeah, guys like with four him guys. for like 15 yeah. to 20 yards. So those are tough tackles that you're going to have to make against these Broncos running backs. And that can really wear down a defense that's already kind of being stretched out thin and feeling the injury bug a little bit. So that's why it's so key to stop that run early and force them into passing. But it's not just on the defense. Oh, no, no, no. You need the (laughs) offense to do their part in order to force the Broncos into a passing kind of game. And that's by getting up by two scores. You know what I mean? You got to get up by at least 10 points at some point in this game to force the Broncos' hand into abandoning that running game because they just need to move the ball down the field. They're trailing. So it's not just the defense's ability to stop the run early in the football game. You need the offense to capitalize on that and go up by at least two scores so you can really start to play the game like you want it to with them having to pass and you unleashing that pass rush on Locke or Bridgewater. What's two scores in this game, though, Tom? I think ten points. No, Two scores, double digits is what I mean. I think that's basically all you're going to get is... That's what I mean. I don't trust the offense to get up 10 nothing, to get up 14-3. to You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see that no, happening. I certainly don't. But I think that's... When you say two scores, I know you mean by... 10 points at least. Exactly. I don't think that's what you're going to get, though. And, 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 and I just think it's unlikely to assume that this offense can outduel the Denver offense. The only reason I would... I don't even know because the Denver defense is so good. So I I don't know who has the edge in this game, to be honest. That's what I mean. They're very equal. You know what I mean? Even though the records are on the opposite ends of the spectrum, they just look like two teams that are very similar to each other. And if I had to pick a team in the NFL to point to and say, yeah, they're kind of the – 
the same brand of football as the Steelers are this year, or at least the same brand that the Steelers are trying to be this year. It's it's the Denver Broncos. So when you get two teams going up against each other that are extremely similar stylistically, I think you see a lot of that butting of the heads, a lot of that ugly 13 to 10 kind of style of football. But I think 13 and 10 is a, is a high scoring game for this. Well, the over this under, Sunday's matchup. Well, the over under set at 40 right now, I think, which is very low for an NFL game. What Extremely. Are, what, low. what is Vegas doing? Have they not seen? The oh, big- they know. Oh, they know what they're doing. Oh, they know. Think I think so? it, yeah, they do. They always know. But 40 is so low, Jacob, that a lot of people are going to see that number and take the over. I know you think that's hard to believe. They're yeah, going to take the over, but they they will because just forty such a low number. This game's going to go well under, I think. Well and, under, yeah. Okay. I don't even know. It it might be shocking if both teams make it to twenty points, let alone forty points together. Like it might be. Oh, like you said, combined. ten to six might be the final score so. of this one. And what about it, seven to three? Yeah, that could I mean, happen too. it could happen too. It's going to be ugly, ugly football, but. You need to make it uglier than the Broncos are used to if you're the Steelers, and I mean, you got to turn the quarterbacks over. You, again, you mentioned this. You, you got better prospects of doing that with Drew Locke being in there because he's a little bit more erratic with that thing. I, I think that's probably the reason why he lost the job because I think skill set wise, they're both pretty equal. And Drew Locke, I think, can sling it a little bit more than Teddy can. But I think Fangio was looking all preseason and saying. I got a great defense. Looks like I'm going to have a pretty good two-headed monster at the running game. I need a quarterback that's going to protect the ball. And even though Drew Locke can put three touchdowns and 300 yards up every once in a while, he could also accompany that with two to three interceptions as well. I'd rather have Teddy. So I, I think Drew Locke's sporadic nature is what had him become the backup, and it's what's keeping him out of being a starter in this league because I think the skill's there for Drew Locke. He just can't really consistently channel it into playing – a conservative-ish style of football that you need. Right. You can't be all run and gun up here, Drew. Like it's not Missouri anymore. You, <laughs> you gotta have some conservative aspects of the game. Even like we talked about Aaron Rodgers last week. Yeah, the guy will sling it all over the field, but he also knows when it's time to just dump it to the popcorn vendor. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta be able to do both in this league, and I think Drew Locke hasn't been able to do that yet, and that's why ultimately I think they turned the keys over to Teddy in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, so do I, but. It, that could not be the case. They may their hand may be forced. I and think, they, it, and, and I think it will be because you don't really mess with concussions. I feel like if you're in a they're optimistic. Protocol, usually, you 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 say at this point by Friday, we can't put him out there. It, it's too risky. But they're optimistic. I f- I feel like because they haven't said it's going to be Drew Locke yet. I feel like it's going to be Teddy. The optimism, though, could go both ways. It could be gamesmanship where he's nowhere close and Fangio's just saying, yeah, we feel pretty good about that. So the Steelers are on their toes a little bit. They don't really know who they're going to see on Sunday. Uh, But on the other hand, it might be real optimism. And Teddy might be progressing through and passing all the – or checking all the boxes he has to to get cleared. And like you said, now it's just a matter of that final box on that final day of the week. They check him off and – We'll find out probably by the end of the day today or early Saturday if he's clear or not to go on Sunday's game. But if you're a Steelers fan, you don't want to root for injury, and you wouldn't be rooting for him to get injured any more than he already is. But your best-case scenario is if Teddy Bridgewater has to sit this one out. You're wanting Drew Locke to be the starter. Yeah, but I think that's so 
Oh, that's such a trap statement to make because you say, oh, I want it to be Drew. If you're a Steelers fan, I want it to be Drew Locke. And then Drew Locke comes out there and you say he's inconsistent, but this is one of his on games. Yeah. And he just tears, not tears up, but he has a decent enough day to beat the Steelers. And you're like, oh, I wish it was Teddy. I bet you we could have, Teddy's trying to be mobile. And I bet you that would have been his, his, his death sentence and TJ and company would have gotten to him and that would have been the winning recipe for this team if we had faced off against Teddy instead. <laughs> I just think it's a trap game for the Steelers in terms of which quarterback you get because either way you're going to be looking at it saying, oh, which quarterback beat us? I wish it was the other guy. If Drew Locke was coming in and playing against maybe that Chiefs defense, maybe the Eagles defense, someone like that, yeah, I agree with you. I think Steelers defense are good enough to keep it from being a Drew Lock random ass we'll three hundred yard three touchdown kind of performance. I don't think you even need three hundred yards. Two hundred yards and a touchdown, I think, is all you need to beat this team. That'll do it for us here on this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks as always for listening to us do a little breakdown of the Denver Broncos. You can listen to some of our other episodes as we will keep diving into how to face off against Denver this Sunday at Heinz Field. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next time on our next edition of the Steelers Standard.